0: Hello, America. Uh, it is Monday. Great podcast in the works for you today. Um, we started with uh, Jamel Hill, um, uh, just a little. I mean, because I'm so appreciative of all of the things that she has taught me about America. Aren't you, used to? Oh, my gosh. She's yeah. taught me so much. Yeah. Uh, and I always listen to everything that she says. Yeah. Especially when she makes absolutely no sense, which is only all the time. Right. And she uh, she has come out and just said that the, the America's worse than the Nazis because we taught the Nazis. And I just wanted to give her a quick history lesson on the <laughs> Nazis and uh, who learned what from whom. And that is uh, that's right at the top of the podcast. Uh, then, uh, did you you know there's another asteroid coming to hit us? This one before Election Day, the day before Election Day, according to NASA. They say it's going to miss us, but I'm rooting for the asteroid.
1: Yeah, you made a, an endorsement in that race, and I, I, I like it. I'm, I'm
2: with you.
0: We talk a little bit about the convention. Ari Fleischer is on with us to talk about the press and the convention. We've got a lot on our plate. Miss a minute. Miss a lot.
2: Listening to the best of the Glenn
0: Beck program. Ari Fleischer, former Bush White House press secretary, president now of Ari Fleischer Communications, uh, joins us now. Hello, Ari. How are you?
1: Great to be with you, Glenn.
0: Yeah. Um, So you are. um, I I saw an interview. Was it in the New Yorker or the Atlantic? It was New Yorker, wasn't it? Recently. There was an article
1: I'm not sure you're talking about my criticisms of the press.
0: It's yes. Everywhere. <laughs> yes, yes. No, there was a there was this, this this question and answer thing that you did. I think it was the New Yorker, and it was the it was the most hostile interview uh, that I have seen. It was just everything was, yeah, well what about this? Yeah, well what about this? And the left and the press in particular, they think they have a handle on the truth and what's going on. And they just don't even want to hear any anything that disagrees with them. Anything. Isn't
1: that right? You know, you know, I've been in this business a long time, multiple decades dealing with the press. I loved it. I loved being a press secretary on Capitol Hill at the White House, what I do now. And it used to be that the press was just liberal. Mm-hmm. You knew ideologically they were coming after you, that Republicans always had to work harder than Democrats just to get a fair shake. But now it's just resistance. Donald Trump has made the press lose their minds, and it wasn't hard for them to lose their minds. Mm-hmm. And, and you see it almost every day. You pick up the news.
0: You know, I tell you, I was, um, you know, I was not in favor of Donald Trump when he ran the first time um, because of the chaos that he. I think he loves. Uh, he loves to live in it, um, and the way he handled himself. But I, I will tell you, he has exposed the press in ways. Yes i would have never imagined uh he he is like a cat and they're a mouse and he just knows how to bat them and they fall into that every single time and they've gone crazy
1: yeah you know over the weekend the first lady showed everybody the new rose garden yeah she made a lot of improvements to it put in a walkway to be compliant for folks with wheelchairs and and it was beautiful Howard Feynman, who was a reporter with Newsweek when I was press secretary, who used to have some some sway and some influence because he was a big voice, now he's an NBC analyst, he said it was a neo-fascist parade ground. This comes from a senior, mature reporter, a neo-fascist parade ground the first lady's renovations to the rose garden what's happened to the media what how did they lose the limits it used to be that they would report then they would opine now they're just trolls
0: yeah and they're, and they're trolls in th- bad taste and they're they're also uh, i've i've never gotten to the point until recently where there's absolutely no reason for me to um, read anything if i'm personally interested to read anything written in in certain places like i've always liked the new york times i know that it's liberal but i've always liked the coverage of the new york times i can't listen to the daily um at all because all i'm getting is propaganda i knew this morning if i listened to the daily i'd be getting anti-gop propaganda i knew if i listened last week they'd be saying it was the greatest television event in history and they never surprise me.
1: Yeah. No, that's, that's exactly right. And they really have crossed the line between a one-stage opinion seeped its way into the facts, into news reporting. Analysis became what they did. But now it really has crossed the line to resistance. They can't stand Trump. They want Trump gone. Everything is done through a filter of getting rid of Trump on CNN. And I watch CNN every morning. I deliberately watch CNN in the morning, I watch Fox in the afternoon, I like a little diversity in my news. Mm -hmm. But CNN jumps down the throats of any Republican guest. I watched a Republican congressman from Georgia on there this morning, and the anchor Jim Shuto kept interrupting him, badgering him. They never do that to the Democrat guests. Every little bit about it, from the way news is made to the decisions about what is news that makes it on the air, to the way the anchors behave now, is done through the eyes of anti-Trump resistance. And the press is just killing themselves. That's the problem. Every survey from Gallup, from Pew, shows that people's trust in the press to tell the news fully, fairly, and accurately is at almost all-time lows. They're only hurting themselves.
0: So do you think they're... You know, I I called people like Chuck Todd and everything when they were like, you know, what happened Um, after the 2016? And I, I said to them, if you really want to know... There are people that can explain it to you, but I'm not sure you really want to know. But if you do, you know, give me a half an hour and I can tell you Mm -hmm. where I went wrong and and what I learned. Um, There was no interest at all. There still isn't. And I wonder if they're not making exactly the same mistake. They've just they just bet the house on it this time. They just said we're all in.
1: That's right. That's right. And it'll be a worse mistake if Trump wins in 2020, because they won't accept it. They just can't acknowledge that they're wrong. But here's the fundamental problem with journalism today, and it's cultural. The people who go into journalism school, who become the next generation of reporters, and this has been the case for decades, are almost all cut from the same college-educated, well-to-do, democratic, liberal cloth. I have twice addressed students from Columbia Journalism School, once in 98 and the other actually in March of this year. In both cases, I asked the students, it was about 12 in each group, in the last election, how many of you voted for the Democrat, how many for the Republican? In every one of those instances, all 24 hands voted Democrat, every single one. The one exception was one guy in 1998 when the election was between Bob Dole and Bill Clinton. Eleven hands went up for Bill Clinton. So I said to the 12th guy, so you are the only one who voted for Dole? He looked at me and said, no, I voted for Ralph Nader. Oh, my gosh. You, you can't have newsrooms that are 24 nothing and think they're fair, think they're not biased, think they're neutral. They, by culture, line up on one side. There's nobody there to check their thoughts. There's so, nobody there to say, wait a minute, there's another side. Let's think it through. So, what they do instead is look for diversity in terms of orientation right. or gender or race. But ideology, that which matters the most, a world view, is diminished.
0: So... Let me ask you this. I, you know, I used to give people the benefit of the doubt, and then I actually worked in those uh, places. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I realized, no, they're just hardcore uh, in their belief, and they don't have anyone in their circle uh, to challenge them. Uh, and right. so they, they just they think monolithically. Uh, yes. Now I am really wondering uh, because of things like the post office. What's happening right now is the Democrats and the press are setting up a scenario that is very dangerous, um, saying that there's no problems with mail-in voting. There's it's riddled with problems. Look at what just happened in Detroit. It's so screwed up. I don't know if you'll ever know the answer, um, and and yet they are pushing this narrative. That Donald Trump is somehow or another screwing with the the Postal Service and they're going to challenge the if they don't win, even if he won in a landslide, they would be challenging this. And I think they're part of the problem. I I think they know what they're doing now. Do they?
1: They do. I mean, this is this is such anti Trumpism. Um, But I, I do have to say on this one, the president has framed this issue wrong. The threat from mail-in voting is not fraud. The threat from mail-in voting is that the system can't handle it. Mail-in voting, historically, if you cast a vote by mail, absentee or otherwise, it is three times as likely to get rejected as when you vote in person. Correct. Voting in person is perfectly safe even in the COVID environment. We've been proving it with all the primary elections. So the switch to massive mail, number one, is not warranted by safety. But two, unless a state is like Washington state that has been doing this for a considerable amount of time and did it in a bipartisan fashion, the state's not ready for it. So what happens is, and the Washington Post has done good journalism on this, in the 2016 election, you had some 500,000 ballots get thrown out because of errors, because it wasn't postmarked, because a person didn't sign it. It's going to be more than a million ballots thrown out this time. So it's not fraud. It's going to be close elections, ballots are thrown out, Democrats cry voter suppression, and then we're going to be arguing about should that ballot count without a postmark. Oh, And it's going to be voter suppression all over again. That's what they're going to allege. Shoot, in the Democrat in New York City where Democrats lost narrowly to each other in primaries, they were alleging voter suppression against each other. So this is the risk here. It's not fraud, and I wish the president wouldn't talk about it only in terms of fraud. The risk is that the system just can't handle it. Yeah,
0: well, when and we you say the system, I, I think I, I would correct you there. It's it's not the system. It's not the post office. It's the board of elections. Correct. We are going. We are headed towards the hanging Chad, which I know you remember seeing that picture of that guy with the glasses, and he's like looking at that Chad. Is that a dimple? What exactly is happening with that Chad? That's what we're headed for. And then on top of it, you're exactly right they're going to say two million people or a million people. Their voices weren't heard. They disenfranchised right. the voter, which just let plays into all of this.
1: Even if a vote comes in without a signature, let it count. Even if a yep. vote comes in three days later, let it yep. count. Now, here's yep. where fraud can come in. And I just wish the president was more careful and precise with his words. If there is a really close election, whether it's for the president or for the senate or the governor or the dog catcher, and you're allowed to have a ballot come in without a postmark up to three days after the election, mm-hmm. particularly where ballots were mailed to everybody and there's vote harvesting. Mm-hmm. People can collect 100, 200 ballots, take a chance, send them in the next day, deposit them into one of those boxes, if you can yep. deposit it three days later, mm-hmm. and influence the course of the election, yep. and particularly if there's no voter signature match. I mean, that's where the fraud can kick in after the election. And again, I go back to fundamentals. And voting in person is safe. Yeah. We can socially distance. We've proved that. Every day you walk into a Walmart, you see how safe it is to do things in gi- gigantic places. We can have safe voting.
2: This is the best of the Glenn Beck program.
0: He, uh, he was a firsthand witness to the debacle that was the uh, questioning of our of our postmaster general on friday it seemed like a pretty open and shut case to me welcome congressman marshall how are you
2: (laughs) glenn good morning from sunny kansas yes this is another nancy pelosi manufactured hoax to attack the president the post office is fully funded for a year they have access to another 10 billion dollars if they need it you know i've always been the believer that we can do two things at once we can have a a safe and fair election and at the same time uh, rehab the post office as well so both these things need to happen and it's just a crime shame that Pelosi wants to make this a political uh shootout so sad day for america
0: okay hang on just a sec let me play a little uh, audio here specifically what happened on friday you will give us your word today under oath that uh, you have not taken any action whatsoever in your capacity as postmaster general for any political reason or at the suggestion of any any administration officials? Sir, so I will tell you my first election mail meeting, what I instructed the organization, the whole team around us and out in the field, whatever efforts we will have, double them. I was greatly concerned about uh, uh, all, all the political uh, noise that we were hearing and uh, uh, we have had we I've had weekly reviews on this since before this uh, all the excitement came out. We we are very committed. The board's committed. The postal workers committed. The union where uh, leadership is committed to having a successful election. And the uh, uh, the insinuation is quite frankly outrageous. So here's the thing. Uh, I, I, I find it really I, the, the post office is screwed up, needs to be fixed. I'm glad he's there fixing the post office. I don't think the post office is going to be the ones that screw this up. What this is, is nothing more than um, a way to cause riots in the streets and protests, because if you up the number of ballots that are going through the mail, you are going to up the number of ballots that are rejected and if you reject a million or two million votes because of the rules that have always been in place it's very easy to say this is voter suppression this is nothing more than a setup is it not
2: you're you're right Glenn. you know, first of all I just got to mention law and order. My dad was the chief of police for 25 years in my little hometown of El Dorado, Kansas. And, and this country was founded on law and order. Those riots are now spreading like a virus, and we need those local people to stand up. But, but yes, every time we're, we're being set up for failure, here's what's happening. Every time a human or a machine has to touch uh, this polling uh, ballot is an opportunity for fraud. We saw what happened in the last House election, and goodness, I think eight or nine of my my uh, colleagues on the House were winning on election night, and the Democrats kept harvesting ballots. People need to realize is that there we are randomly sitting ballots out. I even got two for my children at my house applications, thank goodness, uh, for two of my children that have not lived at my house for ten for ten years. So uh, the, the the whole system is rocked with fraud. And, and as Republicans, uh, we got to keep our eye on it. The Democrats think about doing things I just never would have imagined. This this ballot harvesting is one instance. So they're setting us up for failure. The post office should be able to handle this situation. Every day they handle 450 million pieces of mail. We're asking them to handle, handle an extra 150 million at most over a couple weeks' time. They just did the census, right? I'm not sure how many uh, census uh, applications went out in the mail, but it had to been I suppose you know, close to you know, 200 million, maybe 300 million more. So we, they should be able to handle the situation. But where there's opportunity, there will be fraud by the Democrats.
0: So tell me, um, uh, tell me about why there seems to be no appetite to uh, shut down Antifa. And I mean, if if they're not the definition of domestic terrorists, as they go through. The neighborhoods at three o'clock in the morning with guillotines telling people to give them their houses, that that, that's not a political statement. That is a fear statement. It's in the middle of the night. You're being woken up. Your kids are looking out the window. They're worried about what's going on. This is a domestic terror tactic. When is somebody going to stand up and do something?
2: Well I certainly hope that our that that the attorney general is finding a path to do just that but but certainly I think it all starts at the local level that that we first of all as Americans have the right to protect our families and this is one more reason we need a second amendment and why it's so important to be able to protect ourselves when you can't get the police and then and then beyond that we need local county officers local uh, governors, if they can't handle it, to reach out to the president. And, and America needs to realize that President Trump cannot send the, the National Guard there without an invitation. But hopefully that local po- folks will hold those local officials accountable and elect somebody that will stand up to to all these hostile groups, because we are a nation of, of law and order. And, and, Glenn, what we ask our police officers to, to do now is just incredible. I remember growing up, what my dad had to do. You know, we expect them to be a traffic cop, an expert marksman, a uh, detective, but they also had to be a social worker and a family counselor, a marital counselor, uh, to take care of the homeless. So we expect an awful lot of our police. We, they need more funding, not less funding. But, but you're right. We need to declare, declare some of these groups as terrorists and, and let the FBI and the attorney general go after them.
0: Um, And there's nothing the federal government uh, can do on voting. If I can just bring it back to that one, uh, just this one last time, there's nothing the federal government can do, although Nancy Pelosi um, uh, put harvest uh, ballot harvesting uh, in the last stimulus which I don't understand how the federal government has anything to do with that. But if you look at just Detroit, 72% of Detroit's absentee ballot counts were off. 72% when they went back and, and uh, looked at it again, their record ballot counts weren't so record. They don't match the number of voters in Detroit. And they're saying it's so screwed up that uh, they don't know if they'll ever really have the answer. Is this what we're facing in these democratic states?
2: Exactly, Glenn. I just hope that America realizes the hoax, that they realize that Nancy Pelosi has once more fabricated an entire hoax, a uh, a false crisis, and they'll just go right up the chain and they'll say, look, if this was a hoax, then the Russian situation was a hoax as well, and the whole impeachment process was a hoax, and that House of Cards comes caving in. Uh, we have to get President Trump reelected. We have to keep the majority in the Senate. We've got to flip the House back, that this truly is a crossroads in history for the United States. Do we want a socialist government? Or do we want the Donald Trump economy of less regulations and lower taxes? So I hope America wakes up, smells of roses, and this November uh, gets President Trump back in there.
0: Uh, thank you very much for uh, uh, for taking time out of your day and uh, and joining us. Um, we appreciate uh, the work of anybody who is in fighting for the Constitution and, and common sense uh, and against socialism right now. Uh, Congressman Robert uh, Roger Marshall from Kansas, thank you so much for being with us. Appreciate it. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. Uh, apparently another asteroid is uh, headed towards Earth uh, the day before the election. And I am pulling for the asteroid. (laughs) Are you endorsing? I am endorsing. I am officially endorsing the (laughs) asteroid. Uh, It's the day before the election. Uh, They say it is 6.5 feet in diameter and not potentially... Dangerous? No, they they consider it to be potentially dangerous. So it's six point five feet. They found it thirteen days ago. It's coming towards us the day before election. It's supposed to either near miss us uh, or hit us. Um, how did they find one like this? But they missed the what was it? It was like the size of a bus, or something. it was much bigger. Yeah. It was much bigger, and that one is the closest uh, call we've had in decades and they didn't see it till that after is. it passed yeah they're like whoa what was that <laughs> Oops. Uh, how'd you find this one this is the size of a pea uh and uh i mean what it just feels right that we, we get hit by an asteroid Wouldn't right now it? it just feels like the thing that does that that would happen doesn't it feel honestly would you be surprised and i mean this sincerely uh, I would have in the past if aliens appeared. I would have been like, whoa, didn't see that coming. <laughs> Not really. No. no, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Jesus. 10 years. Jesus oh. is here. <laughs> How could you be surprised by that? How could you be surprised? I mean, there is nothing that would shock me anymore. Like uh, gulags. Ah, you know what? Uh, the IRS uh, said that you didn't pay your taxes. No, here's my tax. I paid them. Here's the, the canceled check cashed by the IRS. Yep, gulag for you. I wouldn't be surprised. Na, 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 na.